Welcome to another episode of the Purple and Bold podcast from the Daily News Record, where we discuss James Madison University athletics. I'm Shane Metlin. I'm here with Noah Fleischman. We're your two JMU beat writers at the DNR. Um, first episode, I think, maybe where we have absolutely nothing to say about football. I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> it, it's been it's been a while, while, and nothing's really happened for once. Like, nothing's really happening. Like, transfer portal slows down a little bit. Um, Spring ball's over. We're waiting a little bit. Seems like there should be some some news, but this is the one week where I don't think anything has really happened when it comes to JMU football. Yeah, no, I think we covered the portal last week and, and the new additions that they, they brought in, and I think, you know, for once, a, a slow week in Chris Ignetti's life, maybe, you know, he take a little deep breath, but I imagine we'll, we'll heat up a little bit. Yeah, I know that they're on the road. There's a lot of high school recruiting going on, and then, Let's get into the, the uh, underclassmen classes, um, 2023 and beyond. Um, a little USFL action, JMU related. Uh, other than that, oh yeah, I need I need to comment on that. Um, the USFL, I don't know what happens, but they they announced their their roster moves at like two and three in the morning. Don't know why. <laughs> don't know why for a, a, a term like a, a league, but you know, two more JMU guys in the in the USFL. There's your football news today. So JMU's got three players in the USFL now. I don't know. Maybe when those when the paperwork is official, that's when they get on it. Because, uh, yeah, probably not getting as many eyeballs as they might normally. If uh, did that, but yeah, that, that's where the, that's where the football fix is coming from right now. Um, what we do have is some spring sports. We do. We do. Yeah, uh, Jamie baseball still still playing, still chugging away. Still, I think I don't think they're necessarily mathematically eliminated from first place in the CAA yet. But, I mean, as has been mentioned, it's pretty much a race for second right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how important is it to those guys to finish second? I mean, it's, you know, they're not playing for seeding, <laughs> not playing in, in, you know. I mean, I imagine at some point they're going to look back and feel disappointed that they really kind of missed an opportunity to win the CAA if they do finish yeah. second. But um, h- how locked in are they right now, given – what they've been through with the fact that there's no postseason in front of them. How locked in are they right now in that chase to finish as high as they possibly can in the in the league? Yeah, as we've said before, like their their main focus is just to win each weekend and that'll that'll pay off in the long run. You'll see the results in the standings. But I think that's that's what they're playing for, right? They don't have the opportunity to they're playing the tournament now and their at large hopes are pretty much really, really slim there. So at this point you're you're just playing to to see how high you can finish. I mean if they finish second or third, that'd be like one of their highest finishes in a, in a really long time on the JMU baseball side. So I mean, I think they'll they'll take it and and you know you move into the Sun Belt next year, a way more competitive baseball conference. And I think you can try to parlay the momentum from a high finish in, in regular season play into into a conference that you know it's got six or seven top one hundred teams right now. I mean, you got likes of ODU joining, but you got Southern Miss and you've got Louisiana. You've got a ton of good schools in baseball in the Sun Belt. So. Overall, I think they're locked in, and, and maybe the maybe the idea is not to hey let's let's win the conference. It's hey let's win the weekend, and then things will work out in the long run. Yeah, and I see it on social media this week. Um, some people who are still fans of the CAA, you know, looking at non-conference wins this week. You know, Charleston got something. I think Northeastern beat UConn, um, saying you know hey and UConn or Charleston kind of edging towards the top fifty um, in RPI, saying hey look this is a pretty solid baseball league. Which, you know, yeah, I guess, you know, by CAA standards, it, it is. Um, 
but like you said, it's nothing compared to what the Sun Belt next year in particular is going to be when you add an ODU to already established programs like Southern Miss. Um, and just, you know, you know, you hardly go a week without playing a top 100 team if you're in a Sun Belt next year. Uh, it's it's going to be a bigger challenge. How much is the rest of the season just about trying to move up with a little momentum? I think that that's a lot of the season. I also think, you know, you can take this momentum and it's, this is a team that's on the older side of things, um, you know, with, with the majority of their infield being retro junior, and you, you've got guys that are like Chase, he's going to be gone after the season's over. And, I mean, at this point, you're, you're trying to carry the momentum, and hopefully you can talk some of those older guys into taking that, that fifth year and coming back and, and trying to play in a, a really competitive baseball league like the Sun Belt. And, I mean, we'll see what happens uh, at the end of the year, which guys stay, which guys, you know, stay time, time to move on. But overall, I think build a momentum and go to the Sun Belt is, is probably one of the top priorities for them just because if, when you look at your schedule next year, it's, it's going to be one of the top baseball schedules in the country. Yeah, and I'm going to ask you a potentially unfair question because I know from covering other sports that sometimes nobody knows until yeah. the season's over and I've had a chance to you know just sit back and take a look at it all. But do you get any sense so far of you know, who they might expect back next year if guys are saying to themselves – Man, I'm having a lot of fun. I want to come back if I can. Or, you know, do you get a sense on like if a lot of those guys who have that COVID year available to them might want to come back next year? Yeah, that's hard to tell right now. I mean, the only person that you can obviously look at with eligibility left after this year that's going to be gone is, is Chase. That's pretty much a lock at this point. A, a first round pick coming up in July's draft. But after that, it's like these are there's some guys that you know they could come back and try to just stretch out their baseball career one more year and they're solid players I mean there's a ton of guys that are starting for JMU that may not have the the pro looks this year but if they come back next year for a fifth year they might be able to walk their way into a contract next year so we'll see but I, I think the only guy right now that's a for sure not coming back with eligibility is, is probably Chase yeah that that's that would be so huge for the program if they're if they're bringing back a bunch of fifth guys next year yeah. to make that move and play a tougher schedule as opposed to losing the vast majority of them it, it it really is kind of a you know the big question mark going into the off season for this for summer for those guys just because like i said you know it's going to be much more challenging and you could either be going into it with a lineup that looks extremely promising like these guys played well last year or that is you know completely inexperienced um, and probably in over their heads going into the Sun Belt, like, quite frankly. I mean, we could see them if they end up do losing a lot of guys. You could see the transfer portal become <laughs> become their big their best friend. I mean, you see it a bunch in, in college baseball where you, you hit the portal. You either you take the guys from JUCO, which in baseball it's, it's not a bad bad path to go. I mean, there's a ton of guys every year from a JUCO that get drafted because I think baseball is one of those sports where junior college doesn't really matter really the level of where you're coming from. If you can play, you can play. And I mean. So we may see them go that route if, if they lose a majority of their, their starters. And, and they've got promising young guys on the bench that have played this year, but obviously not guys that have played every day and, and gotten the production that a lot of these guys have right now. Yeah, and they, they obviously have a lot of guys that they've brought up and developed, like mm-hmm. recruited out of high school and developed um, at this point. Is, you know, the, the transfer thing has always kind of been available in baseball. The rules yeah. have never been as restricted as they were in basketball and football um now it's all kind of the same but is that transfer thing something we'll see more of out of jmu does does moving to the sunbelt make jmu more enticing to transfers 
And does JMU look more at transfers just because that's kind of like the nature of college sports right now? Maybe if you lose a bulk of your team, I think you, you definitely go after transfers. But I also think they might be able to get some power five transfers that aren't playing a lot of their schools. You see the Sun Belt, you can compare it to some of these power five leagues. Not this, I wouldn't say the FCC, but I mean, some of these other ones, the, comp- the level of competition is going to be pretty comparable. And I mean, you're going to have multiple teams come out of the Sun Belt this year in the NCAA tournament, probably, and you're going to have them next year. And, and so I think it makes it more appealing of a location, baseball wise, but we'll see if, how they decide to tackle it, whether they go the high school route or go the proven college route. But either way, it could be interesting to see. Or they could do a mixture of both. You could go get some more high school kids and, and bring in a, a few upperclassmen and then try to make it work. Yeah, and I mean, one thing that Jamie will probably have to do, like facilities across the board are, are in great shape right now. But Veterans Memorial Park is probably like the next area we're going to start seeing a lot done at JMU, I would have to imagine, just because to match up with the Sun Belt as far as you know, baseball stadium goes and stuff, they're, they're going to have to do some work on that. And I wonder if that will play a role in the transfer market a little bit because you look at other sports, you know, basketball player comes to visit JMU, they're transferring, then maybe they're considering a Power 5 school, and JMU's got the same facilities. Um, you know, football's similar um, the facilities and just, you know, the resources are all there. Um, it's going to be similar for, you know, soccer, things like that, especially as they continue to build up Centera volleyball, getting a new facility at the convo. But right now, if you're, you know, say you want to transfer out of NC State to look for, you know, a Sunbelt program where you can play, you're, you're looking at a pretty big drown grade to come play baseball at JMU just facilities and resource wise I mean that's just the truth right now and I think that's probably got to be something that they're going to work on because they they want one to kind of have all their sports at that level and two like the Sun Belt there's going to be some pressure on it to do it when you're in the Sun Belt especially if you're going to try to recruit against a Southern Miss or whoever um, you got to have the facilities to match yeah I think that's that's probably the, the next the next step I mean obviously we'll see where the money comes from for that but they, they seem to find ways to, to build things around here, and, and we'll see what they do. I mean, obviously, maybe a locker room is the first thing that, that's on the agenda. I mean, they've got a locker room, but they've got to walk almost across the parking lot to get to it. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, that might be the uh, next step. The field itself is nice. Yeah. The actual playing service is nice, just kind of the facilities around it is probably what needs the upgrade. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a nice ballpark. And, you know, you see, like, you know, guys want to come play – in the Valley League, you know, for Harrisonburg and stuff because they get to use those facilities and they, and they are decent and everything compared to a lot of places. But maybe as far as fan experience goes, yeah. like they could upgrade a little bit, they could add some seats, they could get a video board, improve scoreboard situation and stuff. Like I would, I would imagine that's something we're going to see at some point. There's been talk about a softball video board, and I can't imagine them doing one without the other. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see where things go with that, but that is probably – when you look at JMU to the Sun Belt, uh, the overall picture, JMU's going in ready to compete right away everywhere, and they're going in with top-notch facilities for the Sun Belt almost everywhere with a bigger budget than every other school. So it is notable that maybe baseball is one place where they're just not quite there yet. Yeah, I mean, baseball, though, at JMU as a whole, hasn't really been the, the premier sport. And, I mean, maybe... Moving to a more competitive conference in that level 
they're seeing it kind of happen in football and moving to a more competitive level of play, and, and you see the return, so maybe we'll see that happen. But overall, the move to the Sun Belt, though, I feel like doesn't just help one sport. It helps a lot of sports. I mean, some yeah. people look at this as a football-only move, but I think it's, it's more than that. I mean, it helps men's soccer got into probably one of the top soccer leagues, baseball going to one of the top baseball leagues, softball going to a really competitive conference there. So overall, I mean, this is something that's more than just, you know, football moving its way up to the FBS. Obviously, that's the reason why, like, reason number one, but then you've got some ones under that that are pretty good as well. Yeah. Well, let's talk about one team that's not going to the Sun Belt, but will make a conference move. And, um, you know, hey, maybe depending on how the bracket plays out maybe they'll play a future conference mate uh because florida is still in the tournament they're gonna be there we're, we're talking uh jamie lacrosse the women's lacrosse team back in the ncaa tournament uh they know their destination they're going to baltimore they're going to take on uh yukon to start the tournament um they're really feeling like a team that has a chance to go deep which they did a few years ago um but a little bit more disappointing ncaa tournament results and no NCAA tournament result in 2020 because of COVID. Um, since then, so the excitement level there, I think, especially since it's really the only spring sport at JMU, and the only sport kind of in general that's getting a postseason this year, um, excitement's pretty big around lacrosse right now. Uh, I think a lot of JMU fans maybe who weren't typically going to pay a lot of attention to lacrosse this spring are you know, jumping on that bandwagon now without, you know, much going on baseball softball wise when it comes to postseason uh are, are you kind of noticing like more attention there yeah i mean this is a program that you know before i got here you know before i started working in december this program that you know i thought was it's pretty good you know the fact that they've got a national title recently and then they're they're a premier program and now i think that the the attention's really building i mean i was at the opening game against north carolina good crowd on hand for a day that wasn't really warm by any means and now they're coming to the tournament hot and you saw the excitement on twitter for the selection show and we'll see how this trip to baltimore goes you you wrote about it earlier in the week on how just a lot of these girls on the team from the area whether it's northern virginia or or maryland or the baltimore region really and so it'll be a good opportunity for them to to play in front of their their fans and i mean it feels like jmu is going to have a pretty big cheering section at loyola on friday and should they advance to sunday and playing a, a good team again then but Overall, I think excitement is definitely built kind of as they've put this winning streak toward the end of the year together and then moving into the, the selection show, being one of the top teams in the country. Not hosting. If they were hosting, I feel like we'd have a lot more excitement in Harrisonburg, but overall, it's still pretty good. Yeah, I, I just feel like it's, you know, a little bit of an opportunity for the lacrosse program. It's it's the one sport on campus where they really don't can't recruit locally very much. That, you know could possibly be changing the, the youth programs and stuff are growing a little bit around here uh something i'm probably gonna write about pretty soon uh actually but um you know there's a little bit more happening there a little bit more of people who are more familiar with the sport locally but you know from alumni it's always just kind of been like one of those things that exists at jmu but um you know they, they get on board when they're making a run win a national championship yeah. but like you know people don't have as much of a personal experience with the sport except for, you know, some have come from, you know, the Northern Virginia area and stuff like that. But it seems like there's a little bit of an opportunity here with, um, you know, other teams really not getting the postseason chance, not having a shot that it's kind of all Jamie lacrosse right now going on. 
uh, and people you know who love their dukes have something that they're going to be like paying attention to here and you know they they want to stick it to the ca and yeah. whoever else and like you know um make a splash and you know go on a deep run and it seems like a team that's you know pretty capable of that and then not only that they got you know a draw that they were re- ready to celebrate that like when i saw the other side of the bracket like without without you know coming right out and saying like oh this is you know exactly the teams we wanted to play like they were you know pretty ecstatic that they're not going to chapel hill to play unc that they like feel like they've got that they've got at least a few winnable games right in front of them to possibly be playing on the last weekend of the season yeah no i think that this draw is something that worked out i mean you talked about uconn a team they've already played and beat on a neutral field in maryland going back to a similar location a neutral field in maryland and you know that's the team that you know it doesn't hurt at this time of the year to see a team you've already played it probably a double-sided coin to me right you you don't want to play a team again just because you already have the film but also you want to play a team because you have the film so that kind of works out but i think going back on the popularity i think you could see a similar if they can start to build a run in the tournament you could see a similar situation the way softball kind of took off last year making their run deep in into the last couple um games of the year and so i think that if, if they make a similar run i mean the national the semifinal in the national championship game is in Baltimore again. So it's not far from Harrisonburg. So I think to make a run that far, you could see a lot of JMU fans in Baltimore having a good time getting getting ready for that. Yeah. It's it's interesting, too, when you look at the really good teams in JMU's history. You, you look at the 2018 women's lacrosse team, and they were they kind of announced the first week of the season. They went down and they beat UNC. Yep. Uh, they kind of basically like said right then, hey, we're a team that can be playing in the Final Four at the end of the year. And they kept it up pretty much throughout the whole season. They won at UVA that year. They, they kind of rolled through the early rounds of the NCAA tournament. Nobody was surprised. I mean, it was a little bit of a surprise maybe that they actually won it all, uh, you know, beating UNC again and beating Boston College and, you know, doing that. But even like, you know, I was covering a team at that point as kind of like a freelancer. I wrote, you know, story about them for the, you know, Washington Post and some other stuff, like following them there, doing some stuff. So I, I was pretty familiar with that group and was watching them the whole season. And, um, yeah, you, you were thinking, like, they, they could play in the Final Four. I was not thinking this is the best team in the country, really, until that last game. And it was like, okay, well, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're going to win this one. <laughs> like, um, this team right now, looks as good as that team and it's it's an interesting dynamic because they didn't by any means like come out and say first week of the season hey we're a national championship contender uh it took them a while to gel and get it all together but like they're really like like shelly's pointed out they kind of part of their motivation is they want to one up that 2018 team because they could if they win it all they're going to have the longest win streak in program history i believe um, topping that team by one game. They won their final 14 games, and uh, they will make 15 in a row for Jamie if they can win it all. Um, they'll have, I think, one more win. Like, I'm trying to think. There, there's several things, like if they win a national championship, where they will have topped that 2018 team um, in several categories. And that's just something that they're not shying away from, is they want to be that team, which is where they were after three or four weeks into the season it's you know pretty remarkable that that's even something we can talk about no it's a remarkable transformation i mean i was 
at the opening game against North Carolina, who's was the number two team at the time, and and it's like it was not really that competitive of a game to be honest. JMU was in it for a little bit, and they kind of North Carolina just took took off, and and they weren't happy about that game, and they ended up dropping another early game of the year. And so yeah, it's really remarkable to see the turnaround that they've been able to put together toward the end of the year. And you beat a number three team like Maryland, so it's not like they're just beating conference opponents who aren't terrible, but not the top teams in the country you go and beat Maryland and now you go into the tournament riding this momentum and I think that they're almost they're going to play with the underdog mentality of you know they're not hosting they're not a national seed but I think that you've been pointed out they're they're competitive enough to to make a deep run and to the final four or maybe the national championship game we'll see how this weekend goes first and then regroup after that yeah and you know really the last several years Jamie was always a top 20-ish type team at worst that, that's where they are and there's always like there's a measuring stick and we've talked about them like it's unc and it's maryland those are the two teams like if they they can know how they stack up nationally because they always play those teams and they don't beat them very often like frankly and so like when they beat unc in 2018 they end up losing to maryland in the regular season but when they won that game it was like okay this we're legit yeah and you know Otherwise, outside of that, like, and that 2018 season where they beat UNC twice, like, you know, they haven't been to that level yeah. where, like, okay, we, we've proven to ourselves that we are legitimately one of the top, you know, five or so team, best teams in the country. Um, and, you know, they looks like they were kind of going down that road again when they lose pretty badly to UNC to start it. But then they beat Maryland, which is another team. Like, th- those are two, like – when they can beat those teams, they know that they're right up there with anybody. And they didn't just beat Maryland in College Park. They beat them easily. Like, it, was, yeah. it wasn't it was even really that competitive of a game. Um, and you know, they've been cruising ever since. Um, so I, I think that has a ton to do with their confidence going into this. There have been teams. After 2018, they had the – Next year, they lost a ton of seniors off that 2018 team. They still were, you know, really good. They were ranked. They won the CA pretty easily in 2019. But they go up to College Park and they didn't even get a chance to play Maryland because they lost, you know, their opening game to Stony Brook, um, which was a little bit of a surprise. But that just was not as good a team. And you know, they knew it. They they played UNC. They played Maryland in the in the uh, regular season. They weren't going into the tournament with the same level of confidence. You know, 2020 things got canceled quickly last year they were feeling pretty good but like you know it was telling that when they saw they were going to chapel hill they were complaining about it because you know they just didn't feel like you know they had a shot really i mean honestly if they're going to be honest with themselves about it they they knew they didn't have a shot like if they were going to chapel hill they weren't getting out of chapel hill that weekend you know winning the first round game was you know the accomplishment for them (laughs) even though that was a pretty good team this year, it's like just a totally different vibe. Like, for one thing, they were like not caring where they went because they felt like they could beat anybody in the country, and they felt like, you know, it's like like they said, you know, we're gonna have to beat a UNC or a team like that to win a national championship. It doesn't matter if we beat them the first weekend or the last weekend. Gonna, we're we're going, and then they're looking forward to that, and it is a completely different vibe. And I feel like it's almost one hundred percent because of that Maryland game. Yeah. Um, you know, if they hadn't played that game. And they're making this, you know, they're making a run of 10 straight wins to go into the postseason. But 
it's not against a team the caliber of Maryland in there. Like, is it a completely different vibe? Do they go in with the same level of confidence? Obviously, they'd be confident. They'd be feeling pretty good. But, like, I don't think they'd be going in there, like, thinking national championship the way they are. And and I'm going to be, like, you know, same as I was in 2018. I think they're a Final Four team, possibly. <laughs> but I don't, I'm don't. i not going to say they're going to win a national championship. But they might prove me wrong once again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, anytime you can beat a team like that, the, the, the premier level programs in that sport. I mean, JMU, Women's Lacrosse, is, it's not big around here like it is in Maryland, where they have basically can pick and choose whoever they want to recruit. And I think that, that that win, as you talk about, being a big turning point for them, and they're playing with confidence. And, I mean, that's what you want going into a tournament setting is playing with confidence and, and not being afraid of your opponent. And I think their first-round match matchup against, you know, UConn, a team they've already beat, probably doesn't hurt their, their confidence level at all, knowing that they can go in there and do it again. They've done it once, they can do it again. And, and you see a team like Loyola, who's got one loss, but as we talked before coming on, it's... They didn't really play a tough schedule. So I think they're, as we talked about earlier, it's probably the best-case scenario uh, placement-wise that they could have gone on the bracket, and now they have the opportunity to get out of the first weekend and, and put together a little run here. Yeah, and you know maybe we're uh, totally given you know, Loyola and UConn a lot of bulletin board <laughs> material if they do happen to ever listen to this. But um, you know, it's not that like winning those games are going to be easy, but, you know, Jamie and UConn have already played. Like we yep. said, um, Jamie won that pretty easily. Even back when Jamie was not playing with the same level of confidence they are right now, they won that game fairly easily. And UConn's coming in off of two like relatively, relatively bad losses. Like, um, so they're not coming in with the same kind of momentum as Jamie. Obviously, anything can happen. You know, especially you know you play a team for a second time. They've surely made adjustments. They're surely thinking of like this is what we didn't do well last time we played. Um, probably also feel like they got not much to lose given the fact that they've already lost to JMU once. They're not really expected to win this one. Um, you know, we're looking at JMU as the potential to get out of this first weekend because just frankly, Loyola is highly ranked, but they've played a terrible schedule, like relatively speaking, um, for lacrosse when there's not a ton of teams. Um, so, like, it'll be a disappointment if JMU is not still playing next weekend and i would imagine that would mean going to boston to boston college for the quarterfinals um but which you know if they've beaten maryland they could beat boston college not saying they will but they know they can yeah i mean that that's definitely for sure we'll see what happens this weekend and it, you you leave this weekend with two wins then your your confidence level just goes up even higher when you, you're playing a better opponent in the next weekend yeah and i think like you know, just from a bigger picture standpoint for JMU too, we've we talked about bigger picture when it comes to baseball. Um, they're moving into the American Athletic Conference yep. next year for lacrosse. Um, getting in there with you know some good teams, but Florida has kind of been the class of that conference. They're they're a top ten team right now. Um, so just in a bigger picture thing, if you can move into a conference where there's going to be two powerhouses, JMU potential rivalry um, there. Um, that's a big thing if you can go in there with some momentum like we talked about with baseball uh coming off a deep run and really just for jmu in general as an entire institution if you're moving into the Sun Belt, coming off two it's women's sports runs but you know the last year's college world series and then if they can go you know play in the final four of women's lacrosse tournament this year and you're moving into a new conference twice in a span of that, you know, getting a lot, ton of exposure on ESPN, 
um, just proving yourself as a national caliber athletic program. I, I feel like that's got to be a pretty big deal moving in, not just for JMU, but for the Sun Belt too. Like, you know, one of the reasons they wanted JMU so bad. Yeah, I think the Sun Belt and the American Athletic Conference with lacrosse, I feel like they both <laughs> welcome JMU with open arms even more, yeah. knowing you've got, you're not just welcoming a school that's got one good sport. You're welcoming a school that, that's going to be competitive in almost every sport that's it's joining. And I mean, that's probably what they want to look at when you admit a new school. That's making the move for football. I mean, like, okay, football is going to take a few years. They're going to be competitive. But then you look down the line, you go, wait a second. This school is going to be competitive in softball, competitive in baseball. Com- when you look at the American Athletic, admitting an a affiliate, you want to look at if who's an affiliate. You don't want to bring in an affiliate that's not going to be good. You want to bring in someone that's going to be competitive. So overall, this move, you can see why the Sun Belt was all over it and why they helped JMU so much making the football move happen and, and kind of everyone just following along with it. And now... We'll see what happens next year. But overall, if you're in the league office in New Orleans, you're Keith Gill. I think you're super excited to see JMU sports being this this competitive and making these runs like you like you talked about. Yeah, even though this isn't a team that's going to be yeah. in the Sun Belt per se, um, it's it's, it's the JMU yeah. brand, the and winning it, tradition. And then you you get one sport that's winning, it's you're gonna you're probably gonna have more sports to follow by. Yeah, and it's just you know. It's the JMU brand on ESPN having success, which is it, it's big for JMU and it, it's big for Sun Belt too. Like, too, you know, there's still going to be casual fans who look at JMU moving from FCS to FBS and think that they're you know not a big deal because they've been playing FCS for a long time. You know, we would disagree with that sentiment. We we have plenty of reasons why, but that's just going to be the the viewpoint of some casual fans for everything that validates JMU as a brand, as a successful yeah. athletics, like validates the Sun Belt's decision to bring in an FCS program um, because they, they really could have filled that spot with an FBS, with an existing FBS school if they wanted to. But obviously they sought out JMU and wanted them, and this is part of the reason why. And it just kind of validates everything going forward if they can make another deep run. No, yeah, as you said, I mean, the four schools are bringing in next year, three of them already at the FBS level, and they're going to help JMU out, really, getting to the FBS, letting them, transition a year earlier and and kind of i don't think a a conference would have gone above and beyond like that if they weren't confident in in this school and not only just for football but by doing that it helps all the other sports so overall next year's gonna be an exciting time in in harrisonburg but we're still got some spring sports wrapping up their seasons and baseball lacrosse lacrosse making their run baseball will try to cruise to the top of the caa a couple weeks yeah, so that'll, those will be a couple things we'll have to talk about next week, uh, yeah. wrap up those things and uh, you know see who's still playing and who's still competing. And still, who, who still Baseball could, at least have three games left by the time we talk, man. Yeah, let's see who still you know might have a chance to you know claim a trophy here before the end of the, the school school year. School might be out, but uh, <laughs> I, I consider the school year over when, when the sports are done. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap this one up. This has been uh, Shane Metlin. I'm with Noah Fleischman. You've been listening to the Purple and Bold podcast. Thank you for listening.